To find out more about the series, please go to virgilkaylock.uk. The Strange Tales of Virgil Kaylock. Chapter 3 Communication with my father had always been difficult. We had avoided familial interaction whenever possible. All of our exchanges had been curt and awkward, but the last conversation we had was the strangest. <coughs> Don't you have something better to do? If you would rather be left alone... Can I get you anything? Water? Beth has made some soup, I think. No, nothing. She wants the vicar here over my dead body. <coughs> Face the truth. Face the facts. All the rest is nonsense. What is nonsense? Ah, vicars, all that. Angels and demons, the end of the world. Coming of the Lord. That's the gist of all religions, isn't it? People need to believe in something. I don't. You won't find anything there but madness. Madness! I... I watched her sometimes. Your mother talking to it. And you... you saw him? Of course not. It was in her head. She was insane, talking to the air. Did you ever hear what she said to it? She only ever had one thing on her mind. What was it? You. Me? Auriam unum de sacris clavum. What does it mean? It, mean? it means she was quite mad. A mind untethered, king of the crows, lord of destruction. The thing was more real to her than I was. Up was down, in was out, black was white. She once told me I was not your father at all. Then who was? It! The thing! Malfas! Oh my god. As the years have passed, I sometimes wonder if she was right. My father died early the next morning, peacefully in his sleep. The doctor came, the vicar dropped by. We spoke together in hushed tones. I examined myself for a reaction, physical or mental, but I was numb. I did not pull back the sheet to see his face. He lay shrouded in his bed, dark, silent and motionless, but he still managed to insinuate a weary disdain. As I left his room, I took the gun from the drawer and put it in my pocket. Death affects us all in different ways. You've had a shock. You can't prepare for it. It'll take you some time to take it all in. I'll get everything sorted. Don't worry about anything. Thank you, Aunt. I appreciate it. Speak to your friends on the telephone. Companionship is what you need right now. Have you spoken to Miss Bell? I sent a telegram. Well, that's good. Will she join you? No. She has an engagement. Uh, an eclipse thing. Oh, well. Now I nearly forgot. I was weeding the garden yesterday and I found something very special. Very special indeed. It's a treasure. Beth opened her hand 
And there was the same spoon that I had found in the clearing. It's your christening spoon. Buried in the soil. It must have been there for years. I don't understand. Look, it has your initials, V-C-K. I opened the handkerchief to show Beth the spoon that I had found in the woods, but it had gone. What on earth? Are you all right? Yes, uh, fine. How it ended up buried there in the garden, we'll never know. The inscription, Aurium Unam, means golden one. Yes, I believe it does. What did she mean by it? That's what you were, the answer to her prayers. And De Sacris Clavum. I couldn't say. It means the sacred key. Does it? Perhaps it's not wise to give these things too much weight. Perhaps it wasn't the best time to show you. You have other things in your mind right now. Just take your time. What? What is it? Smell it. Smell? No. What smell? Are you unwell? Perhaps you need to rest. Outside the house, the crows had gathered in vast numbers, filling the trees and covering the ground like oily shadows. A murder of crows, shifting, bobbing and scratching. He was there too, standing at a distance by the old yew tree leaning on his cane and smoking his pipe and smiling back at me. Hello? Hello, Virgil. I'm so sorry about your father. Thank you. Do you want to come and meet me? I'm here. Here? In Windermere, you're here? Yes, just arrived. Why? I'm at the Lakeside Hotel. Can you come? The Lakeside at Bowness was not the most fashionable of hotels, but positioned as it was directly overlooking the lake, it was one of the most popular. I knew it well, though I had rarely been inside. Dorothy was sitting at a table by the window when I entered. How are you? Aren't you supposed to be with your friends? Today's the eclipse. You're missing out. No. Change of plan. I've ordered tea. Do you want some? Thanks. Something to eat? They do a scotch egg. No, thank you. We're the only ones here. The place is completely empty. I should travel out of season more often. You get the best rooms. You going to sit down? Wordsworth stayed here, apparently. But that could be just what they tell the tourists. I mean, why would he stay in a hotel? He had a house somewhere around here, didn't he? He did, yes. I really am sorry about your father. Thank you. Are you all right? Fine. How are you? I want you to know that I'm not here to, you know, I'm not here in any romantic capacity or anything, if you know what I mean. Right. I don't want you to think... I want to be clear about that. We've moved on. Agreed? Then why are you here? Sure you're not hungry? Quite sure. You look exhausted. I am. Sleeping? No. So, have you seen him? Your imaginary friend? All the time. Actually, I think I may be losing my mind. It had occurred to me. 
I found your book. What? The Pseudomonarchia Demonum. Yes, I, I told them I was doing research for the paper. And you're right, Mr Chidlow does like me. Have you got it? No, I haven't. Horrible thing. I didn't want to touch it. You haven't got it. They wouldn't let me take it away. It's ancient. Damn it! I had to copy it out. Oh. How do you even know about it? It's my job. What did you find? Nothing about Mr Greenhill, but I did find this. Listen, here it is. There is one that bringeth destruction to the desires, thoughts and accomplishments of those that meet with him. Well, that sounds about right, doesn't it? Of 72 spirits that fell from grace, he is the 39th. He is a powerful demon and a great emissary of hell. Let me see. Wait. He is the deceiver. He cometh shaped like a crow, but being clothed with human image, he speaketh like a man. He is called Malthus, King of Crows. Oh my God. Here is one that will bring a soul to calamity, lay waste to the earth and open the gates of all evil. And then, rather usefully, it says, avoid him. I can't avoid him. He's everywhere. So this is all making sense to you? Yes, it is. And is he bringing calamity to your soul? It would seem so. You look terrible. You're too thin and you're actually shaking. As a child, I invented things. I, I made up stories. Well, all children do that. My father disapproved. He had no liking for children, but there was someone who did listen. Someone with whom I could share my adventures, my successes and failures. He was patient. He didn't shout. He made me laugh. His name was Mr. Greenhill. It's quite normal for a child to invent things. As I grew up, he appeared less and less, and after a while he was nothing more than a childhood fantasy. I didn't expect to see him again. You're under a good deal of stress, Virgil. I'm not imagining it. Virgil. Malfas is real. You don't believe me. I didn't say that. I'm telling you the truth. Who else has seen him? No one. Could I see him? Probably not. Do you see him now? After everything we've been through, you still don't trust me. I think me. you're mourning the death of your father. I'm not lying and I'm not insane. What do you want me to say? How can I know? You're the only one who can see him. You are upset. You're stricken with grief. You're not thinking clearly. Virgil, well, where are you going? I need some air. St Barnabas was a lonely church, incongruous and isolated in a field beyond the town. An unexceptional building with proportions that were more that of a chapel than a church. It was constructed of dark slate and limestone and surrounded by a ring of ancient yew trees. The graveyard had been neglected and the grass grew high and ivy coiled about the gravestones. My mother lay at the edge of the churchyard, a simple stone on an untended plot. I now understood why she had been buried there. It wasn't a memorial. It was a place to be forgotten. Rachel Jane Kaylock, nay Williams. 28. She was so young. Just a year older than me. I can't imagine what she must have gone through. Abandoned by her family. Abandoned by God. What do you mean, abandoned? She was locked up in an asylum. What? They said she was insane. Insane? She was seeing things, talking to spirits, talking to a figure who was not there. A small man with a pale face and a green suit. Malfas. God. He killed her, burnt her alive, and now he has come back. 
for me. But why? I'm telling you the truth. I'm just asking you why. That's all. It's the eclipse. I don't understand. I am De Sacris Clavum, the key, the golden one. What in God's name does that mean? It means I have the power to stop him. Virgil, you're not yourself. I'll take you home. No. You need to get away from here. We'll go back to London. There's no running from him. He's in my head. My head, he goes where I go. You're tormenting yourself. The crows had gathered in the churchyard. They perched on the stones and shifted in the undergrowth. Do you smell it? No, smell what? You can't see him, can you? I can see nothing. There's nothing there. Do you see the birds? The crows? Virgil, you're scaring me. My hand shook as I pointed. Malthus stood smoking his pipe some 50 yards away, the crows creeping like loathsome beetles about his feet. He nodded with a smile and pointed up at the sky. It's the eclipse. He's come for me. Virgil, come away. You must believe me. How can I? There's nothing there. Oh, he's there. I drew my father's pistol from my pocket. Leave me alone! Virgil, give me the gun! The gunshot had no effect. The crows did not scatter. They slouched nonchalantly and tilted on the gravestones. Malfas, unscathed and unperturbed, showed no reaction at all. He turned and walked away from the church and with a gesture bade me follow him. Virgil, where are you going, Virgil? Go to the station. Go back to London. I'm coming with you. No. Virgil, wait. You're unwell. Stop. Go home. Leave me alone. Virgil. Stay away from me. Malfas walked ahead through the winter fields, puffs of smoke rising in the cold air. He didn't look back. The crows twitched between the rotting stalks, muttering and whispering and squinting up at me with gimlet eyes. On he walked, field after field, and I followed after. My mind was frozen, empty but for the chasm of dread that was growing inside me. On we went, Malfas always keeping a distance ahead, and I lumbering after, with the gun hanging loose in my hand. The ground grew steeper as we approached a line of trees. A puff of smoke from his pipe, and he disappeared into Skelton Woods, and I after him, pushing through the brambles and bushes. If there was a path, I didn't follow it. I pursued each glimpse of him between the trees. I chased the stench of sulphur, and all the while the crows cackled their malevolence around me. I stumbled into the clearing, scratched, torn and bleeding from the thorns and brambles. The crows littered the ground, still and silent, save for a desultory flutter of wings. A black thumbnail pinched the side of the sun. The eclipse had begun. Malfas was in the centre of the clearing, behind the rotting carcass of the fallen deer. He stood with his hands behind his back, rocking on his heels, beaming like a kindly uncle. Time always wins out, doesn't it? In the end, I mean. There's no escape. Things move from order to chaos. You never see it happening the other way round, do you? Chaos never returns to order. It only happens one way. The way of the world. I know what you are. Doesn't stop them promising the opposite, though, does it? Promises, promises. Any religion you like, it's the same thing. Only they can stop the tide of chaos. 
a savior will come along and stop the decay, return the world to paradise, and banish death, if and only if you believe. I defy you. And you do believe. Don't you, Virgil K. Locke? How could you not? After all you've been through, and you've been through so much. I gave you life, my boy. I watched you take your first steps. I sent you on your way. I have led you through the labyrinth, and I have guided your path back to me, here, now, to this very moment. I raised the gun and aimed it directly at his head. Do you not know what you are? I am the only one who can destroy you. You will not take my soul! <laughs> my dear boy, I do not want your soul. I want your skin. Not for myself, you understand, oh no. For him. Be happy, Virgil Caleb. For you are the golden one. Aurium unum. Aurium unum de sacris clavum. The key. Ah. The sacred vessel. You are the host in your body. He will walk the earth, Rex Mundi, king of the world. Yes, yes, the eclipse is almost upon us. It begins. High above the world, the sun was dying. And as the darkness gathered, a cold wind rustled in the trees. The crows were changing, losing definition and growing in size their forms dissolving into a gaseous vapor, expanding and reforming until, until they stood in their thousands, their faces obscured by black hooded cloaks, a multitude of evil, a legion of darkness. Look, look, the mouth of hell opened, darkness descends. Black night is come, the king approaches. Witness my sacrifice to you, Lord. Receive the body of this thy servant. Walk the earth as mortal man. Ocas corpus tuum, a Jupiter illum malum unum. Laudum autumni. The sun was gone. Hell's gate was open. Malthus raised his hands above the blackened carcass, and as I choked back the vile stench of putrescence and decay, that loathsome heap of death began to move. A seething mound of corruption, that sum of foulness was writhing and rising from the ground, an unholy thing of filth, of rancid hide and rotting bone. Behold, Rex Mundi, king of the world! Be to him. Behold the bringer of life. Behold Lucifer. I tried to turn away, but I could not help but look. That mass of profanity reached out towards me, and screaming with terror, I looked into its face. A face of horror, of madness, and death. The face of evil. My face. The blasphemous, horned, grinning skull of the devil himself. 
me. Despair, like a numbing coldness, coursed through me. I had no energy to move. The shadows closed in. I could do no more. I dropped to my knees and put the gun to my head. Virgil, stop! Please, stop! I love you! In that moment, all the horrors before me vanished. The diabolic clamor ceased in an instant. The chaos was gone. It was over. The eclipse had passed, and I was nothing more than a broken man, kneeling alone in an empty clearing, holding a gun to his head. Virgil, please, for my sake, put the gun down. Dorothy? Oh, my poor boy, forgive me. It's over now. I love you. Do you understand, Virgil? I love you. And with those words, the world was transformed. In that miracle, all evil was vanquished and hope was reborn. Life was again worth living. The sun returned and rays of pure light shone down on us once more. This all happened many, many years ago. And yet I remember each and every detail. Dorothy saved my life, my sanity, and most certainly my soul, too. Shortly after these events, I asked for her hand in marriage, and to my complete astonishment, she consented to be my wife. We took a house in Highgate. We were happy, and we enjoyed many years of light, love, and contentment. But... Time marches inexorably on, and the seasons pass by in an endless cycle of death and rebirth. These days, I live the solitary life of a recluse in a forgotten corner of the northwest of England. I keep myself hidden, and I wait. It is many years now since Dorothy passed away. She was the love of my life. Everyone I have ever loved has grown old and died. But I am still here. It has been well over a century, and I have hardly aged at all. There is some power that keeps me alive. To what end? I do not know. Neither do I know if that power be satanic or divine. I cannot control the events that make up my life, nor understand its purpose. I do not know why I was born, or when I shall die. I do not know if I am a force for good, or an agent of evil. And in these regards, my friend, you and I are very much alike. My name is Virgil Kalock. Good night.
In Wormwood, Chapter 3, by John Ram, Virgil Kaylock was played by Nicholas Bolton, the young Kaylock, Daniel Fraser, Dorothy Bell, Ellie Turner, Aunt Beth, Jenny Funnel, Gordon Kaylock, Sam Dale, and the part of Mr. Greenhill was played by Gary Lilburn. The music was composed and performed by Neil Brand. The Strange Tales of Virgil Kaylock is supported using public funding by the National Lottery through Arts Council England. It is produced by Richard Varman, Martin Malone and John Ram. It is a Kaylock production. To find out more about the series, please go to virgilkaylock.uk.